Brandon Brands. Hey gang, it's Ross Brand with LivestreamUniverse.com. If you'd like to build a brand that matters, take a listen to Brands on Brands on Brands with my good friend Brandon Berkmeyer as we talk all things live streaming and brand building. In a world where advertising is ignored, business is exposed, and the only constant is change, how do you build a brand that matters? Welcome to Brands on Brands on Brands, a home for those who think different and push their boundaries. This is where branding that matters lives. Now, here's your host, Brandon Berkmeyer. Hey everyone, welcome to Brands on Brands on Brands. I'm Brandon Berkmeyer, your personal marketing coach, and I believe that building brands that matter is the only way for a brand to thrive tomorrow. Thanks for listening. This is our interview show this week. If this is your first time listening, go to brandonbrands.com and check out our content. It's a great way to get involved. You can reach out to me directly. You can find my links to join my community and interact. Uh, I'd love to get to know you. Our guest today, really excited to bring you Ross Brand. For those of you that don't know, Ross Brand is the number one live streaming expert to follow on social media. Uh, he was ranked that by Clout and was selected as one of the five live video experts to follow by Switcher Studio. Basically, when I ask people, who do you know that knows live streaming? And this is basically, you know, recording video live. Who do you know that, that knows this stuff, that knows the space, it's an expert? They, talk, they all say Ross Brand. And this is a guy who was in broadcasting for years and years into traditional radio, I think, you know, radio DJ type uh, person. He's got that awesome voice and then got into live streaming when it was first being built. So definitely was there to see it, kind of go through it before there was Facebook Live, before there was Instagram Live, before there was YouTube Live. He was there. So loved bringing him in, had some great, knowledge about what to do when you're just getting started, how to think about uh, using it as a, a strong vehicle to grow your business, to network. And also we got into like, what do you buy? And we put that right at the beginning. So there's a little technical stuff at the beginning about, you know, what mic do you buy? You know, get a boom arm, that kind of stuff. Uh, but bear with me. I think it's important because it's the first thing you're going to need if you ever want to do interviews and, and move forward. So lots of that for you today. I hope you find as much value in it as I did. And let me know what you guys think. Thanks for listening. Brandon Brands. All right, let's get started. First off, thank you to thank you so much to our guest today, Ross Brand. And of course, I had to get someone with the name Brand on the show. The show is Brandon Brands brings you brands on brands on brands. And now we're talking to Ross Brand. So obviously a guest that I had to get on the show here. Thank you for coming on today. Well, thanks so much for having me. And I actually have a show called Brand on Broadcasting. So it's just, it's, it's almost like we're related here. Or something. If we say it enough times, they're going to remember the name of the show. There you go. Advertising 101. But thank you. I do appreciate you taking the time out to, to visit me today. Oh, thanks for having me. And really, the reason I'm excited to have you is one of the hotter topics out there these days is, is going live is, you know, whether it's on Facebook or Instagram or some other vehicle, it's, you know, instead of just recording it and, and reproducing it, it's having live content that people can interact with. Uh, and that's something that you've been doing a long time and that you uh, help educate others on. And that's what I really want to kind of pull out today uh, and we, the funny way we connected is one of my former guests and friend, Chris Strub, who, who recommended I bring you on. He, here's what he said. He said, you're one of the world's foremost live streaming thought leaders and one of the most well-connected influencers in the live streaming space. Obviously, very high praise. And send him a check or something. You do. I was like, <laughs> I have to get this guy on. But before anything else, so obviously, I think we have the right guy here. Um, but I'd love to hear about that first time that you went live on social media specifically. Okay. Remember that. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, let me just preface it by saying that my background was in doing radio on air. And then I went into another fields and, and then I came and I discovered this live streaming thing on a platform called Blab, which no longer exists. And the first time I went on, I literally plugged in this headphone into my computer and uh, went as a guest. 
and figured I'd talk for a few minutes. In spite of coming from radio, I was kind of nervous about it because I think I had used my webcam maybe once or twice in my entire life. So being on camera and I'm, I'm getting better at looking at the camera, but being on camera was all new experience. And that was my first time. And I liked it enough that I then went back on a show for a little bit longer when I called in. Maybe I stayed 10 minutes or 15 minutes. And then eventually I said, well, I think I got to do my own show. And I created a setup that was very much like hosting a radio show, except that there was this little webcam thing that I ignored. I started doing interview shows and that's how that's how I got started. But I liked it instantly. I loved having the live chat. And that feedback, and it, it's almost like I can't imagine now doing a show uh, live that doesn't have uh, viewers making comments, asking questions, and being a part of the interaction. Yeah, I mean, we definitely have like the the voice for radio. Um, it, it, like mine, I have trouble with. It's always raspy and whatever else. But like, you definitely come across as someone who's been broadcasting uh, like professionally for a long time. It does take a little bit of adjustment to get used to like a camera being around. I know when I started, I was looking up and down and sideways and didn't know what to do. Uh, and it threw me off and I'd take weird pauses. <laughs> How do you get, you just ignored it, it sounds like. You, you didn't, have, didn't, didn't take much practice for you. Is that right? Well, you ever watch a radio show being simulcast on TV? Yeah. Usually shot from an angle where they're not looking right into the camera. At least it used to be. Now they're becoming more camera savvy, and uh, the show may be a radio show or a podcast, but it's being shot also more like a video or TV show. Yeah. But there was the the old days of the simulcast where the host made no effort to look at, at a camera and the camera was more just looking in. So that's kind of the vibe that I took that the, 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 the webcam is there. But basically, I'm doing a radio show where you can also see me. And over time, I started becoming more comfortable and started realizing, OK, that if I look at the camera and I look people in the eye, that that has an impact. But ultimately, it's the conversation. And if if the camera went out in the middle of a live stream show, but your audio was pristine, people can go go ahead and 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 listen and enjoy the content. If the audio went out, but your visual was perfect. If you're doing a talk show, how long are people going to watch your head and your mouth? And what it, it just. As beautiful as we are, it loses it loses its appeal after a few minutes. So the heart of the content is really in the conversation and it's in the audio. So I always say that the most important part of your live video is your audio, unless you're doing something that's, you know, a drama or dance or something like that. If you're doing a talk show, it's ultimately the content that you're delivering, the conversation, your personality, your interaction with your guests and any callers that you have. So um, that's how you can go not be a, a camera native, right? An on-camera native and start live streaming. And in fact, there are people who never go on camera. There are people who put up images while they're live streaming. There are other people who will shoot a, 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 a nature scene or uh, take you on a tour through a city. And they'll always have the camera focused the other way as they narrate. So it isn't even required to be on camera to, to, to deliver your message. Yeah. I mean, I, I like that. If, you know, if you take a pause and, and think about that, the priority being the sound quality, because I think people are more forgiving to your point about the visual I think if for any of us out there that are getting started, you may not get started with, I'm going to start my own show and take video of myself, but you might say, you know what? I might want to leverage other people's shows and, and be interviewed and become a guest to get my business out there or my name out there and get that recognition. So to do that correctly, you have to think about the sound. And, and so to do that, what's a good place to start so that you sound, A, a that your sound is, is good. Is it, you know, like I think most people will have earbuds like iphone earbuds but is that the best way to do it headphones are better than iphone earbuds but iphone earbuds are far better than using uh being able to monitor your your own voice at least i find when i hear my own voice in my headphones 
it reminds me that I'm live and I don't have to like if I take these off, I'll be starting to speak louder and louder because I can't hear myself in my ears. I, I know that isn't an issue for everybody, but anybody who's worked in radio and is used to having these things on their ears uh, for uh, long periods of time uh, will find that, uh, wow, I'm not hearing myself. I better I better speak louder. <laughs> so that's that, that there's that issue. But um, just hearing your voice um, in, in your headphones is helpful. I think it keeps you conscious of, of how you're delivering your message. It doesn't necessarily replicate it the exact same way other people will hear it, but it, it keeps you, I think, keeps a certain focus. But it's valuable in preventing in feedback when you have a guest uh, their mic isn't bleeding through your mic and they're getting echo on on what they're saying. And, and it provides a better listening experience for the audience. The reason why headphones are better than earbuds is earbuds seem to have a little bit of feedback in them, a little bit. Again, they're far better than not using anything. So if, if earbuds are the way you want to go, they certainly look uh, less intrusive on a camera than do headphones so i understand why people prefer to use the earbuds and for most people those are are, are certainly good enough yeah and i, I want to get into your background but before that i, I want to keep going down this path a little bit i think that there are there's some immediate like ideas of things to avoid that come to my mind because i think more people they're going to start making the right choices and decisions but uh, they might make some mistakes that are easy to make if you're not conscious of it and you don't do this all the time. Are there some things that you notice that are, that are things that people stumble across that aren't like big deals, but they, they cause issues when you're being recorded in terms of sound or visual? My recommendation is if you don't have a mic yet and you're going out to get a mic, there are basically two major classes of mics you're going to come into, whether you're looking at a, a, an entry-level USB mic or you're looking at a little bit more expensive broadcast mic. And one, one grouping is called dynamic, and the other grouping is called condenser. And just to make it real simple, a condenser mic's going to be much more sensitive to sound. So it's going to pick up the full richness of your voice, but it's also going to pick up your air conditioner. It's going to pick up when you tap on the screen. It's going to pick up all the sounds in your environment. A dynamic mic will mostly reject sound, particularly if it has what's called a cardioid pattern. It will reject sound that isn't right in front of it. And so you need to be close to the mic. But that's good, right? Because it's going to be quieter. It may not pick up the full range. So if, if you were in an uh, isolated booth and you were recording vocals for your debut album or you're recording your audio book, you may want to use a condenser and a soundproof booth. But if you're recording a podcast or a live stream show in your home or even in a studio where there are multiple things going on and you may have guests in person or you may be ruffling papers to get things in front of you, typing on your keyboard, you want a mic that's going to pick up as little noise as possible. So having a dynamic mic in a cardioid pattern is going to reject noise from behind the mic, which means that it will reject if you're typing on your keyboard in front of you. Uh, it will reject fans and just general room noise. And then the other thing you can do is you can get a boom arm and keep it off of your desk. So then it's not being... Uh, picking up the vibrations when you type on your keyboard. You can sit up comfortably. You can move it around. You don't have to be hunching over. Uh, and, and your posture can have an impact as well on the, on the quality of your voice. So uh, just to summarize, dynamic mic, cardioid pattern. If you look at those two things and consider a boom arm that keeps it off of your desk or off of a table, those three things for recording at home will make a huge difference uh, in the in the quality of your audio. Yeah, and I'll tell you, I learned that one the hard way, guys. I <laughs> I went out there, I, bought, I looked at the mics at the Best Buy that was near my house, and I was like, okay, this looks high quality and it's a little expensive. I'll buy this one, and it was a uh, the Blue Yeti, which is like the standard one you Google, like, oh, it's great reviews. This is the one, and I brought it home, and sure enough, like I don't have a professional studio. I turned the gain all the way down, and guess what? It you could hear everything still and every little noise, like the gardener next door, everything was happening. 
and it wasn't the best quality. There's a weird echoiness to it. Uh, so I went out and I bought, a, I think it was slightly less expensive. This one's called the ATR 2100 and it is what he's talking about. But so that matters. Uh, so I appreciate that, the, that little bit of advice. I think also getting a, you know, the pop filter so that the breaths aren't, <laughs> aren't being heard, the boom arm. Right. This isn't expensive stuff. You buy these three things uh, and you, you, know, you might be out a hundred bucks uh, at the end of the day, something like that. But if you're going to be doing interviews more than you know, once or twice, like definitely worth helping yourself with the sound quality there. Absolutely. I mean, the, the ATR 2100 and uh, the one that I got when I first started using a USB mic was the Samson Q2U. They're very similar mics. I, for me, I prefer the Samson Q2U. It depends on your voice. It depends on a, a variety of factors. But those are both great options. And they're both, I don't know, between $50 and $70. They're much less than the Blue Yeti. But they're, they're the right microphone for what we're doing, for live streaming, for podcasting. Yeah. Uh, and, and they are pretty good at rejecting sound. And they're, um, they're just ready to go out of the box, basically. You don't have to worry about what settings to put them on and things like that. They're great microphones. And then at, at some point, if you're ready to go to the next level, then you might consider getting a mixer or an audio interface and getting a... Uh, you know, a higher level broadcast mic, but you can do a podcast or a live stream show that's really good and sounds good with the ATR 2100 or the Samson Q2U. I wouldn't even look at any other USB mics if you want a USB mic. And then they also can be handheld mics that you can do interviews from in the field. You can take them with you. Uh, you can plug them in. Uh, they come with an XLR cable, so you can plug them into professional recording equipment as your, as your gear grows and you get more professional gear or you have an opportunity to do something on stage or uh, what have you. So it's just, they're so valuable uh, and they're, they're, they're entry level, but they're, they're entry level. They're, they're within the the realm of, of definitely what is acceptable for good sound for these mediums, because uh, there are certainly mics that are more expensive and don't do the job like these do. So, yeah, exactly. And, and I'll tell you what, like I know going in for the listeners out there that this is way more technical than, than you are used to hearing on the show. And this isn't even very technical, but we are getting specific about products. Uh, and I say that because I know if you're going to enter this space, these are the first questions you're going to have. If you're going to start doing a little bit of interviews, you're going to ask a question, uh, what should I be doing different? And it is these little things. It is the simple things of buying the right mic and getting a couple of, you know, investing in a couple little things so that you represent yourself. If you're going through the trouble and you're getting the opportunity to, to be interviewed or to, to be a guest on a show and get that, that, uh, that bump in, in um, getting known, that's, these are the, the basic things you want to know. And, and if you don't want to remember it and listen to it, I'll definitely put the notes out there uh, in the episode notes. So don't worry about remembering it all, but these are the basics. So I, I don't mind getting a little technical, but I, I would like to dive into uh, the medium in general, as, like the value of it and uh, a little bit of the history behind it and where it is now. But I'd like to, to premise that by starting with radio, because I think there's a lot of the like commonalities between the value of it and how it used to work. So let's go back in time a little bit. And I want to hear, how'd you get into broadcasting? How did this, this become something that was a part of your life? Well, I was right. I was in a full-time staff job at a newspaper in Arizona and I kept getting yelled at in my, by my editor because I was talking a lot <laughs> in between uh, my writing assignments and writing. I was always having conversations in the office. And so I decided, why don't I just get a job where I can talk? And so that's where I decided to start experimenting with talk radio. Actually, I first thought about being a DJ and I realized it's one thing to be passionate about music. It's another thing to understand where your personality and what you like to do all come together. And so for me, talk was a, a better fit. And from doing talk, I ultimately realized that sports talk was where I was uh, really just, it's what people responded to me when I did. So I ended up uh, working as a sportscaster for close to 12 years uh, doing everything from updates to hosting shows to play-by-play -play and uh, 
reporting and and uh, I had a, a you know really a great experience with it a great time and uh, it, it sort of set me up for what I'm doing now because I learned a lot about broadcasting and most people who come to live streaming tend to come from social media or in 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 fewer cases they come from tech but very few people come from broadcasting but because I was out of it for a while I no longer my ego wasn't tied to having call letters next to my name. So I saw this just as an opportunity for brand building, for marketing, but also just for communicating and building relationships and exploring what was at, at the time I started a fairly new medium at that time. And we're talking not that long ago, 2015, no Facebook Live. YouTube had Google Hangouts, I believe, on air, but not no other way to go live, I don't believe, or maybe you could through, you know, professional equipment. Nope. No, no uh, Twitter, Twitter live Periscope was uh, you hold your phone kind of thing at that time. Uh, Instagram had no live video. So we've seen all this happen over the last few years, and now it becomes uh, really a viable way to create entertainment, uh, to, to market your business, to have conversations to do any number of things uh, using the, the broadcast style, but delivering it on social media. So you need, you need it's, it's part broadcasting, it's part social media, and just enough tech to get it right, like some of the things that we were talking about a few minutes ago. Yeah, and what's, uh, what's interesting about that is, well, hey, I want to hear what, if you had, like if the show you created back then, if it had a, a funny name or if it's the same thing that you have now, well, maybe we start with that. Like, what was that show called that you were, or did it have a name? It was just you. Yeah. Um, I called it live stream stars. And my goal was to interview people who were using live streaming effectively, either for their business or to grow their personal brand or have good conversations or whatever it was that stood out to me about people who are using it for, for interesting use cases and also who seem to have a, a talent for doing it. And I did that for two years. Uh, pretty much every week, I would sometimes take a, you know, a month off or a few weeks off or something, but it was pretty much a weekly show through you know, a season kind of format. And it, it, I really enjoyed it. But then I started doing... Uh, some. I, I wanted to change things up and I... Uh, right now, my shows are brand on broadcasting, which is basically me talking about broadcasting and having guests on. And it's uh, focuses on the online side of broadcasting. So live streaming, podcasting, Alexa flash briefings, uh, video creation. And then my other show is called Live Stream Deals. And I talk about the products and services to help people who are live streaming podcasting and doing online content creation and have often uh, reps, either the CEO, the head of marketing, uh, head of business development, people like that on from the different uh, products that I feature on, on the show. Yeah, I guess that's what's interesting about getting started that early is people, what they want to know about when you're, when you're in a new medium is how to do what you're doing. And so like having a podcast about how to start a podcast or having a live stream about how to live stream and, and how it, you know, what to, to do and, and that kind of stuff makes sense, especially when you have a background that came from another place that was so relevant to it. And you have a website too. Just let's get some of that out there. If uh, people want to find, because uh, you do some coaching and you have some, some good like info and tidbits, what's the, and the website's livestreamuniverse.com. Did I say that right? Yes. And then I also have livestreamdeals.com for that specific show and podcast. And then I have brandonbroadcasting.com for that show and podcast. Uh, but livestreamuniverse.com is the hub. There's a resources page there if you're looking uh, for recommendations on gear. And uh, there's also, you can see a list of you know past guests and, and things like that if you're looking for ideas on you know, what types of shows to do and who to have on. There's a lot. There's a lot there. <laughs> yeah, I get that. And so I want to break, give some value here to the entrepreneurs out there. And I want them to understand why this is becoming a trend uh, and really what the value is. Like, what is the value of live streaming to 
someone who is either A, is the face of their business, because a lot of entrepreneurs uh, are now like the face of their business and they're working on their personal brands and that kind of stuff. What is the value of live streaming? How does that, that play in this ecosystem? Well, depending on what, what size your audience is and what your business goals are, live streaming is a very effective way that you can have conversations with that audience and be interactive with them. So what I'm saying basically is if you are a huge business, right, you're a, you're a major brand and you've got hundreds of thousands or millions of followers on your Facebook page, how can you sort of personalize that experience and have conversations with them at scale? Almost impossible, right? So one way you can do that is you can go live on your Facebook page and you can talk about the questions that you typically get. You can talk about, you, you can onboard people with a new product. You can take questions from the chat. You can acknowledge people in the chat. You can see uh, and get that real-time feedback from people to see what they're really thinking about your product because they'll often be more honest in that chat than they will be in, in other forums. So it's a very valuable way to make uh, your fans and your customers feel involved with you, that, that there's a personal face to this brand and that you're building a relationship in which they have a vehicle to communicate with you just as you have a vehicle to personalize that communication with them. So you're really speaking to them. It, it, it may be a million people, but you're speaking to each one through this medium in a way that a text post or a, an image post or a case study or uh, you know any other way that we post online, even a produced video, doesn't do that. So that's, that's the number one advantage is that interactivity. And that's, that's how it works for a big brand. And it can be tremendously powerful when done right. Let's take the example of a small business owner or solopreneur. Think about every client that you get and every customer that you acquire can make a difference in your revenue for that month or that quarter, right? This is a way in which you can showcase your knowledge. You can give your, you, you put your personality out there. So they get a sense of what it would be like to do business with you. What it would it be like to work with you? They see how you handle questions and comments in real time. If you have a guest on or you take calls, they see how you interact with people. Uh, what your person is, is your personality going to be a fit for them? Is your do you have the right business approach or uh, you know professional uh, style that they can they can work with? It's it's very much that they get to know who you are and then you're top of mind when they need the service. So it's, a, it's not a necessarily a short-term play, but over the long term, if you're not, you're not trying to sell more widgets than Walmart, if you're a, you're a small business, you're trying to get another customer and another client one by one. And as you count them up, you can count up the dollars that come in. And you do that by providing value, building relationships, and that value can be it can be entertaining. It can be providing knowledge about your industry that they can use in their own businesses. It can be answering questions. It can be helping them get started with something. Uh, there, there's many different ways you can do, you can do live streams, but it's, it's showing that you're somebody who provides a value and you're building a relationship. So as people come back because they enjoy your show or there's information that they want to get from you, you become known for whatever it is that you do. And then when they need that product or service, you're the first one in mind because they feel like they have a relationship with you. They've come to like you and trust you. And you're the person that they all will want to do business with. Yeah. And I, could, I couldn't agree with that more. I think that there's the things that people overlook is the value of like, how do you a build a community around around your business and connection is always the answer, right? One of the challenges I hear a lot of the time is I know I need to be creating content for my business. I know I need in it, but it's so hard. I can't keep up with all the social media and everything else. And I think live streaming could be an answer for that because it's, it's a less produced, like in terms of 
you don't have to have like a script and, and a whole thing. You can just get out there and start talking to people uh, and interacting with customers and answering questions. And, and it might start to answer your content question if, you know, as one kind of input into your system. Uh, I think there's value there that people are missing the boat on because they're afraid. Absolutely. And, and I think that you have so many different ways you can repurpose li- a live stream show or broadcast or Q&A. You can repurpose it as a podcast. You can take clips and post them on social media. You can upload part or all of your broadcast as a YouTube video. Uh, you can take a screenshot and post that on Instagram. You can do one of those square one minute videos on Instagram. You can share uh, bits and pieces and stories. There's, there's unlimited ways you can tweet about it. You can, you can share links to get people to come and watch the replay. But I believe that the most, one of the most powerful aspects of doing this, because the question I get asked probably most by new people is, well, there's two questions. One is, what am I going to talk about? But we can get to that uh, later if there's time. But the other question is, what if nobody shows up? And for the small business owner, for the solopreneur, for the, 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 the local business, it's not as important how many people show up as can it help you convert warm leads. In other words, somebody tells you, uh, Brandon, I know of a business out there that you would be perfect for, or you would, you would, they, they're, they're the ones you need to work with to accomplish what you're trying to get done. And so what's the first thing you're going to do? You're going to Google them, right? What are you going to find? You're going to find their LinkedIn profile, their YouTube channel, their website, things that will come up usually towards the top. Now, if you take part or all of that live video, depending on what's appropriate for the platform, and you make those some of those live videos available in these different places, there is a surprising power to having the replay of a live video that goes beyond having a produced video, an infomercial, uh, you know, an advertisement, uh, stock photos, some of the different ways people promote uh, their business. When people see that you were live, they're, they're not only getting to know your personality and, and how you would do business and what you know, but they're saying, okay, he also delivered this live, so he must know his stuff. And he, he's, he's got some courage to put it out there that way and to communicate. Like, you can definitely tell the difference between watching a replay of a live show and watching a pre-recorded uh, video. And so I think the power of going live lasts not just on the replays of, of the platform where you went live, but in repurposing those things. Now, let's take it even a step further. You have customers and you have employees who are both happy with their experience in dealing with you. Now, what is going to be more powerful as a testimonial? Having them write a script look into the camera and awkwardly read it 15 times until you can stitch together something that uh, looks good or having them on camera and asking them. It could be a, a, just a casual phone uh, live stream or it could be in, in a studio situation, but asking them where you, you use interviewing to guide them through their journey, which becomes a far more powerful testimonial because it's being done in real time and people know that even if it's thought about ahead of time, even if there's a little script involved, it's still, there's still something organic and real about it. And so I I think that not only is interviewing a really powerful form of storytelling, which is kind of overlooked because people think of interviewing as like, okay, we're doing investigative journalism or I'm feeding softball questions. But think about how you can move people through the, the, the arc of their customer journey or their experience as an employee going from entry level to the C-suite or uh, however it turned out for them. This is the same kind of thing that you can do in a live video interview, and it can be a brief interview, but it can be an exceedingly powerful testimonial, whether you're posting the whole thing or you're posting a clip of an answer, 30 seconds, 15 seconds, a minute and a half, 
so there, there are all these different ways that you can use live streaming that can give you uh, a competitive advantage versus those who aren't using it yet. Yeah. I, I, what I like about that is there's a lot of businesses that need testimonials for their business and they haven't taken the time yet. And you're right. I, when people are just said, Hey, can you send a testimonial or they're even sent questions? The, just the idea that you are there, you're, you're pushing start on a camera and you're trying to say your answer in a way that, that makes you sound like not like an idiot, right? The, <laughs> the, uh, the, that, that's difficult to do without it looking awkward. They always look awkward, but you know what's really natural for everyone out there to have a conversation face-to-face with someone and answer questions and that, that, that it just come naturally from you. And it's, you're like, Hey, so we just got finished with our, you know, our session, whatever that business is or whatever the thing is, our service. Uh, what'd you think? What was your favorite thing? And they'll just tell you what it was, you know, cool. Is there uh, you know, what, what does that mean to you that, that, that this, like, how does that help you? And then what is the, you know, would you come back? You know, like people will answer these questions very naturally and you're right. It'll look better because people will just see them interacting like a normal people interact and it will be more authentic for the business because you're not trying to be an actor. You're trying to just answer questions like you normally would. Right. And obviously you can shape by selecting that customer or that employee that you know can handle a live question that you know is more articulate than maybe another employee or you know is less of a loose cannon with what they say. Certainly you can use judgment just as we use judgment in terms of who we invite on our live streams and podcasts. Uh, but the, the approach is a really, really strong one. And I, I advise if you haven't tried it, that's enough of a reason to try live streaming a little bit and then think about uh, who you can interview within your own business, be it a, you know, or a customer or what have you. And, and it's also great when it comes to a new product launch or a in-store sale or anything like that to just go down and talk to uh, a salesperson uh, on the floor and say, come on in, you're going to meet, uh, you know, X, Y, Z, and you're going to talk to him or her and uh, they're going to help you out and make sure that you find the right widget for your, uh, your project or, uh, Hey, the team's here and they're, they're assembling uh, the first of uh, 40 new something or others that are going to be on the market next week. Uh, how do you guys feel about how things are coming along? Oh, it's so exciting. We, we had a test one in the back. It's so cool. Let me show you how it works. You have these magic moments. And again, not everything has to uh, has to be posted everywhere. If it doesn't work out, you can always, uh, you know, hide the replay and do it another time. But in general, you'll be surprised that that most of these you'll you'll want to keep up, that you'll be excited about. And they can work for you not only in the moment, but that video is interesting to anybody who learns uh, about uh, that product. Even if they learn three years from now, they can see the video of when it was first being put together or, you know, whatever it is. I'm I'm obviously talking in generalities without trying to be specific about products. So it's a little little vague, but you you get where I'm uh, I'm going with this. And and here's one other uh, advantage. and, And this isn't just limited to live streaming. This is an advantage for podcasting or for creating YouTube videos. I'm kind of shy when it comes to asking people, hey, let's uh, let's try and connect and network and build a relationship. And, hey, uh, I think you're going somewhere and hopefully you'll think I am and maybe we can collaborate. I don't know. Right. So what's something of value you have? Most people who are uh, enjoy being in a situation where they can promote themselves, where they're the center of attention. Uh, where they have a chance to say that they were on a show, they were featured here or there. So it's a great opportunity just to to think about who you'd like to get to know better or who you'd like to build a relationship with, be it a business relationship or, you know, a networking personal relationship and invite them on your show. And now you have something, you're offering something from a position of value instead of, uh, excuse me, sir, can I, can I uh, pick your mind for coffee for three minutes? I'll buy everything in the restaurant, but just please sit down and talk. 
no, no, no. Hey, how would you like to come on my show? My audience would love to hear your experience with the XYZ project. Uh, you know, it was tr- tremendous. And, and we'd love to have you on and we'll promote it. We'll make a uh, podcast. We'll have short videos afterwards. So, so being able to have something that you can offer like that is, it's, it's tremendous, right? I mean, you're, you're, you're leading with providing value. And, and then uh, I've had so many friendships and, and relationships come out of having somebody on as a guest. And then just, it's natural. Like I, I didn't even necessarily go into it with the idea, okay, I'll have him on a guest and, and, and then we'll, we'll, we'll start doing business together. It's sort of like, okay, I need a guest this week. But the conversation naturally continues. And then when you see that person at an event or you need to reach out to them for something, you've already established the rapport. And at the same time, you're creating content because you're we're establishing a rapport right now. We're getting to know each other right now while we're creating a podcast. It's, it's a pretty amazing thing when you think about it. Yeah. And what's funny is I that's something I had to discover along the way. When I first started, I was like, I need a way to find my voice and get all this, this experience out of me out on paper so I can even kind of hone what my message is and my perspective. And I was doing it just by myself talking, you know, to the, the, the air and recording it. And then it turned into, gosh, you know, if I bring other people's on, I hate networking. Like I hate meeting people in a random hotel and saying hello to a stranger, but reaching out to people that, you know, just via email or via digital and saying, Hey, I have this show that does this and trying to answer these kind of questions. I think I'd like to know more about your story and your business and entrepreneurs, guess what, are my customers. So asking an entrepreneur about their business is a lot easier than saying, hey, are you looking for a, someone that knows marketing right now? No, that's, that's, that's a terrible question because most people say no or they already have someone. But if you say, hey, I'd love to hear your story, you start to build a relationship. So I, I, I stumbled into it being this amazing networking tool that I didn't even know. So I'm glad you pointed that out. I hope everyone is catching that, that nuance that if, you, if your business relies on networking and word of mouth, this is a, a very powerful tool. You don't need a massive audience. You just need to have a platform that you can ask questions in. Uh, and this has been a huge tool for me for that. I, I'd like to ask you, because that's partly why I got into it. When you first started recording yourself for live streaming and, and, and how, you know, in a digital way and you got back into that, why did you start doing that? You could have taken a job at other radio stations or doing anything. Like, Why was it something that you thought I need to, this is what I want to do for myself. Cause it doesn't seem like the easiest choice. Well, I guess I like the fact that it's a little bit entrepreneurial or very much entrepreneurial in that I'm working for myself. I'm not working to create content for somebody else. Uh, I'm doing it at the pace and at the, you know, with the schedule and the format and everything else without answering to a program director or advertisers uh, and salespeople and so forth. I'm able to do, what it is I want to do the way I want to do it. And I mean, that's, that's, that's one of the things that pushes people often into entrepreneurship is they have a vision of how something should be done and they have a desire to have their own business and run it. And, uh, did I, I had no idea at that time what this was going to become, but I, I felt like there was an opportunity in an area that I was passionate about. I actually started Livestream universe first to cover what other people were doing with live streaming. I actually was not going to be on camera and not going to be hosting shows. I wanted to, uh, you know, sort of be like the social media examiner of live streaming. But once you get a taste of doing this, I, I, I fell in love with broadcasting again, but I felt like this time I'm going to do it on my own terms. I'm not going to be moving around the country or switching time slots or that kind of thing. And I had other interests and I have a, other business uh, interests going on. So, I, I mean, this was a way to do something that I love, but do it like a business in the sense, because obviously it isn't a business until you make a dollar, right? It's a hobby. But to do that, that hobby in the beginning as though it were a business to position it so that if it does take off, I don't have to go, okay, how do I make this sort of seem like a business? I'm doing everything in a, in a professional and appropriate fashion. 
so that's how it started. And if I didn't like doing this, then then that never would have happened. But the fact that I really fell in love with broadcasting first by watching what other people were doing and realizing, wow, there's some really talented people out there and they're doing some really, you know, having some really interesting conversations. But then also once I started doing a show, I realized how that really became the primary vehicle for uh, building live stream universe more so than uh, reporting on what other people were doing with it. Yeah. I think that might be, I think that resonates with me because when a lot of people like podcasting is growing so fast. And I think the value there is what you pointed out is that you are doing it on your own terms. You can be yourself. You can talk about the things you're passionate about without trying to, you know, get paid by some business to figure out like, what's the, you know, what do they want to hear? You know, in broadcasting, I got, I think it gets a little funny that in some stations, like they change the people's names to be something that's more catchy or they, they have to do a, a, a certain kind of funny salacious segment in, you know, to keep people interested because, you know, it's like they're beholden to the ratings. They can't just build organic followership like you can. And this is all about you and whatever you feel like talking about, it's organic because you don't have to do this. Yeah. And there's no I, I, I mean, I don't think at this point there is an audience of hundreds of thousands of people in a big market who want to hear about how they can effectively use live streaming and which microphone to get and, and how to repurpose it on social media. But there certainly is a strong community on social media that wants that message and wants that kind of content and is fascinated by it and interested in it and wants to apply those things in their business. So doing what I'm doing and talking about and the people that I'm featuring and highlighting is just a better fit for a social media audience than is uh, for a, a, a drive time radio audience. And then also it's much easier for me to then branch from there into coaching and consulting and, and things like that than it is if I had to spend, say, if I did an hour show and had to spend seven more hours or more at the radio station doing other things to uh, promote it, but also, you know, have to go out and cover news and have to, you know, in other words, it's not like you do an hour show and you get paid a full-time salary. You have to, you have to work. <laughs> I mean, people, you would, you would say to me like, okay, so you're on the radio three hours a day. What do, what do you do the rest of the day? I'm like, well, you've got to book guests for that show. You've got to, so, so doing a weekly show or a, a monthly show with several guests is a whole different thing than, than being on daily and having, uh, that grind and having to leave stuff for the news team in the morning and having to, you know, do a promo that night for the next day's show. And it, there's all these things that, that go into it that I don't, I, I, I mean, believe me that probably I do more content on my own than I even did working a full-time job in radio. I'm able to finesse it in between other things, in between meetings and clients and, and uh, lunch. And it, it just better fits into what I'm doing with my life. I mean, and, and I, I just love it. I just love being able to get on and have this conversation with you in the middle of the day and then go back to working on something else, helping somebody else or creating some other type of content because that's what I'm um, um, I need to churn out next, you know, for myself. Yeah. The flexibility is amazing. And on top of that, this, it doesn't go away. It doesn't disappear after you've created it. It's something that is searchable that you can look back. Once you find someone because of one topic, you can then look back at their other topics and kind of binge listen to the rest of the things that are there. It continues to, to live on and beyond some of the, uh, you know, if, if it was a radio show, you're not going to have to go back and listen to yesterday's because maybe it's not even relevant anymore. So this stuff, if you repurpose it or you distribute it in a way that can be searched as value in that. Now we're coming towards the back end of the show here. I do want to ask you what I ask all guests coming on because you do have uh, a personal brand. You do have content that you create. You do have a, a consulting business and run a business. For you personally, uh, for the long term, do you believe branding or selling is, has been more important for you and why? I think branding is more important because if you have a strong brand, people know who you are, what they can expect, what they, what your brand says that you can deliver, then word of mouth is an awfully powerful way 
to sell without selling. In other words, if Chris Strub tells you how good of a guest I might be on your show, then I don't have to send you a prospecting email and I don't have to connect with you on LinkedIn and then hope three days later that we can set a phone call and that instead you're like, yeah, Chris Strub was a great guest. He knows this guy, Ross. Let me send him an invite to be on my show. Done. <laughs> I get to be on a great podcast. So that's brand, that comes from brand building. And I think, and it also fits my personality. I'm not somebody who really likes to get in front of the room and do the pitch deck and, you know, take somebody out to lunch and tell them why they need to work. I, I, I like the warm leads, the ones who find out about you from other people or who all, you know, who see your content, all the different ways that somebody can get interested in you. And I think that's, that's brand building. And part of brand building includes delivering and over delivering when you get opportunities. So by doing a great job for one client or one customer, then that leads to other opportunities because people are happy to share uh, a good experience. And of course, they're even more happy to share a bad experience. So if you don't have a lot of people saying things about you that aren't good, that in itself is, is, is an endorsement uh, just in the silence. But obviously, the, the, the real way I, I believe that the brand works is it's your promise of what you can deliver, whether that's uh, through what people say, whether it's through social proof, recognition. Uh, so, yeah, I, for me, building the brand is more important than selling because I believe building the brand can lead to uh, lead to at least putting those warm leads in place that are much easier to close and require much less selling. Yeah. And you may be saying that just because your name is Ross Brand. So <laughs> there, and I'm biased as well. So it, there might be some bias there, guys. Well, caveat that, you know, we'll take, we'll take that in as it is. And you know what? I realized I said that a lot of broadcasters changed their names. And I didn't even ask, is Ross Brand your real name? Well, funny story is when I got into radio, um, I talked to somebody who is a long time, long time person in the business. And they're like, kid, I don't know if you're any good or not, but I know one thing. You don't have to change your name. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yes. Ross Brand is my real name. Oh, that, per that perfectly. I was a brand long before that was something to aspire to. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I gave myself the last name Brands. You know, it's Berkmeyer, but but uh, you know, Brandon Brands will be what the company is. Uh, but I'm glad that worked out that that's your real name. <laughs> I was waiting for the, the no, it's Levine. It's you know, it's it's Ross Levine, and I, you know, they, they told me to change it. <laughs> Uh, but all right. Well, thank you so much for being on today. This has been a blast. I, uh, I didn't, you know, we could totally keep getting into like how to be discovered, how to grow your audience. But I think that was a topic for a different day. I really, what I hope people take away today is just to get past the fear of starting because they always want to know how do I create more content? And this is a great way to start to what Ross was talking about. And if you can get past the fear and just start trying, there's low risk and high reward here. Uh, and it is a long game, but I appreciate you coming on to help change maybe a few minds today about what the value could be for their business. Low risk and high reward is really a great way to put it. Thanks so much, Brandon. This was a lot of fun. I appreciate it, man. Talk soon. You've just taken your marketing knowledge to another level with this episode of Brands on Brands on Brands. But we have plenty more ways to not just help you build a business, but build a brand. Head over to brandandbrands.com for more resources, as well as access to our blogs, videos, and exclusive coaching sessions with your host. Be sure to visit brandandbrands.com.